0: Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co parent to rely on for occasional childcare,
1: and what it's actually like to parent as an SMC.
0: This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. Hi, Pod. Welcome to a very special podcast where we have uh, the opportunity to speak to an egg donor. So this week, Dominique joins us. She is a Mocha SMC herself, and she is going to take us through what it was like to donate her eggs and also, you know, her thoughts for the future and things. So Dominique, before we get started, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
2: Hello, everyone. Um, My name is Dominique. I am 31 years young. I'm from Maryland and I'm a current, I'm a new mom and I love being a mom. It is hard, but <laughs> I love it. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> so I guess before we jump
0: in, like, I also want to ask you, I mean, you're brand new mom and how are things going for you? I think you just said that you started back work recently. What's it been like
2: so the beginning of motherhood was really rough for me. Full transparency, postpartum depression did a number on me. I was not prepared for that. I feel like that was a conversation with postpartum and healing and all the all the things that wasn't like, all the ugly things was not discussed with me. However, I had a lot of support with my mom and my best friend slash sister. Like it's it's been really helpful. Uh, in those early stages returning to work was really hard to do because it was against my own terms mm-hmm. i had to go because i took leave without pay the people i worked for only gave me 10 days of maternity leave oh so i had to go back because i financially could not afford to stay home any longer so mm-hmm. that's the part i didn't like about it uh, and i wish i could have stayed home longer but <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah, just to get better adjusted. But I was prepared to stay home without pay. But he needs a roof over his head, so I had to. I had to go back to work. Well, I
0: applaud you for you know even being able to share that you had postpartum. I know I had postpartum with my third, and it's like sometimes you just they don't tell you about what you should be concerned about like as far as like how did how you're feeling and sometimes I think with everyone it can even manifest in in differences like anxiety just not feeling yourself you know and I think like to a degree none of us feel like ourselves because we just had a baby right Right. (laughs) so it's like hard to know whether or not you're feeling like not yourself because you had a baby or not yourself because like something else you know
2: yeah I definitely felt really off so I was uh, and I had a hard time, even still, I have a hard time communicating it, but I understand what I was going through now, looking back at it. And I still get waves of like, Oh my God, what am I doing? You know, I feel way better than, I, than I did at week two. Right. You know, yeah. Well, that's great to hear. I'm glad things are, See? things are, are getting
0: there. So you were an egg donor. Can you tell us a little bit about like, what was that decision like? How old were you? And like, how did you even connect with
2: that? So at the time I was, I was actually 20 when I first heard about it and I was working at a jewelry store and some lady said, you know, you should really like consider being an egg donor. And I'm like, what is that? And I looked into it and I saw how much you get paid. I said, wait, you get paid. I, I, at the time I got paid $6,000. I said, $6,000, you know, $6,000 to a 21 year old. That's yeah. a lot, you know, mm-hmm. to a 21 year old who was living with, the, I was living with my mom. I was in school. The only bill I had was my car note mm-hmm. and my car insurance. And I said, Oh, like, yeah, sign me up. So, <laughs> so the person who suggested it, was she black or was she, she like, was what? black? Yes. Wow. She, was, <laughs> she was a black woman. And I she got me in contact with a donor coordinator at a local fertility um, center in DC. And at the time, I wasn't old enough, uh, I was 20 and you had to be 21. Mm-hmm. But my birthday was literally like a few weeks away. So she gave me the application to just like to look over and to make sure this is the decision that I wanted to do. So to be really honest, um, I did it because at first I did it because of the money. Mm-hmm. And I was excited about that.
1: So I, I'm I'm curious, because this is one of the things that I think is stigmatized, and I'd like to unstigmatize it um, for our spaces, because I think there's a lot about fertility, infertility, IVF, that we're just not necessarily exposed to as a first line of customer for these types of procedures. And so we get folks that come to our community that are young. We get folks that come to our community that are experiencing fertility challenges. We get folks coming to our community that are 40 plus and think that they've reached the end of the road. Um, So could you tell us a little bit about what the process was like? Because I'd like to kind of like, you know, let's get under the hood and let's talk some, some details. Because I could tell you, I'm pretty sure when I was in school, I did read an article about egg donation, the same thing with dancing, pole dancing, but I didn't know it was pole <laughs> dancing because it was like, you know, dance, but no experience, $300 an hour or some some crap a day or something. I was like, I could dance. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> I saw the egg thing and I'm like, I could do eggs, right? And so could you tell us a little bit about, um, you said that um, someone um, reached out to you and, and kind of took you through the process, but what was that process like? So, yeah, so like you got the application, but then so the, like what's next? So
2: the application itself was very was extremely thorough. I thought it was something I can get done in like maybe a day or two, but you have I had to really consider the questions because they were questions I've never been asked before. Like I can't remember all the questions, but one question I I will not forget was what was your temperament as a child? And I'm oh, like wow. interesting. Yes, mm-hmm. what was your temperament as a child? And I was like, oh. wow, like was what did <laughs> <laughs> I should say. And I was like, mom, what was my temperament as a child? <laughs> like, like, you know, you were always into something, you know, you were very mischievous. Uh, so okay. I was like, if I put mischievous on here, is somebody going to want me? But I did it anyway because, you know, you have. To, I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be as mm-hmm. honest. This is somebody's life. Uh-huh. So after doing the application, it took me about, I want to say it took me about three weeks to do the application. And I would put it, I would do it, put it down and, you know, think on it, really just figure it out. But I did the application and then. I thought that, okay, cool, like I'm a donor. And my donor coordinator was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am, you have more steps to do. So to give you a timeline, I started in August after doing the the application. I went through what was next. Oh, they did like a physical on me. So I had to do a physical. I got a lot of blood drawn like. I mean, it was like, it felt like it was almost every other day I was getting my blood drawn. And what I appreciate about it is that they were checking for everything. So I'm getting a whole for free. I'm getting a whole workup on if I'm a genetic carrier for sickle cell or I don't know, like for anything, I'm just getting all that workup to see if I'm a carrier for any of that stuff. They did, they did a whole workup on me. Then I had to Um, They had to monitor my cycles and think, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. I had to actually go to a psychiatrist. Okay. And that was actually really uncomfortable. The psychiatrist, (laughs) she was white and Mm -hmm. I felt like she was really pushing. Uh, I thought I was being bullied in my meeting uh, or my, my, my session. So
0: bullied Um, as in like, she was trying to talk you into it or. Like, I felt like she was talking
2: me. I felt like she was talking me out of it. And then she also started when I also mentioned my family, like, you know, about my parents and my upbringing. She felt like, well, like how, like, why did you have such a good life? You know, that's what it it felt like. I was like, I mean, I have two parents, yes. Yeah, wow. I never knew what the word struggle meant. Yes, like you know, I I had a good life, and I felt like she was trying to. I didn't. I didn't like it. I couldn't wait to get out of it. But um, even if you didn't like i guess the thing that kills me
0: about this is like okay let's say let's say you didn't have two parents in the household or like you you know you did you did struggle like that that shouldn't matter should it i mean like that doesn't like I mean, mess with the quality of your eggs
2: i get right i guess you're trying to figure out i was doing this for the right reasons but whether no matter what my reasons were if i was mentally okay and mm-hmm. if my workup said I was okay, then what like what are all these unnecessary to me with those unnecessary questions, yeah, have to do with it? Like I think one of them was like about my dad's age, like what is my dad like your dad seems kind of old. How do you feel about that? I feel fine. he's he's great, okay, <laughs> I guess the thing <laughs> that's
0: disturbing is, you know, we talk a lot in this community about the shortage of black donors, right? And it's not just black sperm donors but also black egg donors. and I worry about this process being such that it's not approachable for black people, because if they have you talking to some, you know, some person that you feel is exhibiting like all these microaggressions, you know, we deal with that in our lives enough as it is. Like I can imagine people being like, you know what, I'm okay. you. I don't need the $6,000. Like I will just go about my business.
2: Right. It was, it was, it was, I I remember that being the most uncomfortable part after everything I've done. I remember that being the most uncomfortable part. I do remember when I went to get what was. Oh, afterwards, I was cleared by the psychiatrist um, to go ahead and proceed forward. So by this time, it's about mid-September. I started, I'm sorry, I started late August. It's about mid-September. I got cleared by a psychiatrist. So then they had to monitor my period to make sure everything was regular. And they always they had to check uh, my uterus. They check my uterus and check the thickness, the thickness of it and th- stuff like that. And I remember the doctor, I still remember his name to this day. He said, wow, women were killed for this kind of uterus. And I was <laughs> like, what?
0: <laughs> People would kill for this kind of uterus, and you're like, "Thank you, I guess." Yeah, I was like, "Uh, "Thanks." (laughs) And I guess at 21, like most women are, not thinking like, "Oh, great,
2: I'm." (laughs) (laughs) He was so passionate about. He said, "Wow, just look at this! Like, he said, you could see the. It was like triangular. You could see the three lines. Like, it's so thick. Wow, this is all people would kill for this uterus. (laughs) That's great.
0: He was very passionate, and it was like a little. You know, it seems like he he counterbalanced a little bit like the, 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 te- the therapist that you were dealing with.
2: Yeah. And actually he still works at the practice too. Um, oh, I look him up every now and then. I'm like, Hey, you're still there. So, <laughs> um, so, so that, how, how,
0: how, did it, how did they go about explaining to you, you know, open ID, was this even an option or. It, yeah, it was my daughter
2: coordinator. So um, to fast forward, I was actually approved in October. So the process took about I would say about two and a half months-ish. It was like towards the middle of October. So I was approved in October. And my donor coordinator, who was also Black, she explained everything in detail. I didn't know what questions to ask, but I felt like all my questions were answered. So she explained to me that, you know, some women cannot have children or they have a harder time having children. They may have waited too long. They may have wanted to do something on their own. So she explained to me, all the acronyms. The only acronym I was familiar with was IVF. And she explained that this is why, this is what donors are used for in this case. They are, we're going to retrieve an egg. We're going to use IVF. And this is what IVF looks like. It was great. I, I understood exactly what was happening. Like I said earlier, I didn't know what questions to ask, but I knew, but I felt very informed through the process. And so when it was time for things to happen, she showed me she walked me through how to get the injections and stuff to myself. And mm-hmm. she, like, she made it very comfortable and an easy trans- um, transition from, you know, from being a, coming a donor to what's it like on the other side and where they go. And then she actually did, you know, push to be anonymous. But I say, no, I'll be an open ID. And she said, well, are you sure? This is what a lot of other women do. But she respected my wishes. And I was actually open ID for I did two cycles.
1: So uh, back up for a second. She was pushing for you to be anonymous. Did she say why? She
2: just said that a lot of women who are donors prefer to be uh, anonymous. And she just made sure she did just understand that with being an open ID that you're not, you know, out to get a relationship with the child. Um, once they become of age, if they choose to find you. I said, oh, I understand. Like, I completely understood exactly what I was doing. I like, don't ask me for money, don't ask me for advice. But if you want to know about medical history or like uh, interests that I'm into, that's fine. But, you know, I would, I was okay with it. So she,
1: she said, okay. And she had me down as an open ID. That's odd. It feels like there was a bit of projecting there Mm -hmm. because I used, I used an egg donor and I know quite a few SMCs who've used egg donors. So first, thank you for your donation. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't have, you know, the family that I have, if it wasn't for that, it just extended and gave me a bit more time in trying to figure out what was going on with my body. But most of the SMCs and I know SMC is just a small percentage of who the recipient pool could be. And so for the most part, just about all of us would want to have the option of having an open ID and then making a choice accordingly. And so I I think it's odd that she would say, yeah, most, most, most moms or most, most donors. Um, Did she say most donors would prefer? You said most donors. Okay. Because most recipients would be would want to push for, you know, open and not for anything other than being for me being able to answer any questions that my child might have with regards to, you know, just making it it's yours to either opt into or decide not to have anything to do with the donor at all. But, you know, having all the options on the table. Yeah.
0: I also think it's honestly, I think in this day and age, it's irresponsible for banks to not explain that nowadays, like these kids have access to all these DNA sites and things like that. And so even if you as a donor don't sign up for it, you can't necessarily tell your family not to, you know? So what happens if your mom does ancestry.com and like, she's like, wait, what? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. who are these grandbabies? And then you're like, well, see what happened was like. <laughs> I definitely feel like technology is catching up with donors. Yeah. Um, they were, I don't think they saw this coming. Yeah,
0: that's true. Cause I guess, I mean, if you're 30 in your early thirties now, that was what, a good 10 years ago.
2: Yeah, that was 10 years ago.
0: Certainly changing.
1: So I guess now kind of staying on that same thread, you're open ID. So how 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 would you feel if, you know, Tomorrow, a, a donor child reached out to you and said, you know, you're my biological egg donor. I'd like to you know, chat. I have imagined this conversation probably for the first
2: three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped imagining it because <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know. I'll probably. Like, oh, OK, well, it's nice to meet you. I'm willing to answer any questions you have about medical or um, interest, common interest, but um, that's as far as it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, so, and saying it with so much love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I think oh, the thing that's hard is, I mean, and it's and it's interesting. Your perspective is interesting now. Now that you are a mom, right? Because I think what what's hard is like trying to imagine both, like how the donor feels about that interaction, but then also how that. Person's parent feels too. These kids, or you know, adults when they're adults, will come to donors and 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 they may expect a whole host of things, right? Or they may just have questions about like, hey, so like, what kinds of things do you like? What was your temperament as a child? (laughs) I don't know. I I was there, but I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So it it'll it's it's certainly such an interesting perspective. So. I wonder um, now that you are a mom and this is not only for your kids or kid or kids, what will you tell your children about egg donation and also, you know, the family, your, your larger family?
2: You know, it really is the responsibility of the birth parent to inform their child, uh, in my opinion, of their decision and how they started to, it, on how the choices they made to either start or expand their family. Mm-hmm. And I think that will have an impact on how that child communicates with a donor if they do get in contact with them. So, I mean, I have every intention of talking to my son just about like, this is how my family was created. I wanted you so badly that mm-hmm. this is what I did. And I wouldn't think any twi- think twice of it. So and I- Can you
0: explain to him about egg donation as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, because it's not just, you know, getting a sperm donation to have a family because there are, you know, I helped someone else, mm-hmm. uh, other women have um, start or expand their families. And now I was able to be on the receiving end as well. So, you know, it's full circle. I, I mean, I, I hope to raise someone who is, you know, open-minded and I hate to say the word tolerant, but mm-hmm. I guess tolerant and understanding of, This is how families are not created just one way. There are multiple ways that families can be created or expanded or started.
1: So I do have a question because this is I'm still in the process of articulating my daughter's conception story. And, you know, and so it's it's changed quite a bit from my first child, which was just a, a sperm donor. And I tweaked it just a bit for the sperm and egg to say that there are three things that are required to create a family to create a baby right? You need the the male part, the female part, and you need the uterus, right? Because that's what you know, both my girls have in common. And then all of the little glitter and sprinkles that you add in just from being in the environment. But my question for you is now that you have um, a child, and you also have eggs that are out there, you talked about the child reaching out to you, how would you handle it? would you consider the child that resulted from your egg a donor sibling? And how would you handle that? Would you, would you be open to the donor child meeting your child? So you're saying the donor
2: child, the egg I donated.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. That's actually a really good question that I've never considered because I consider my son's donor siblings from sperm like we all talk mm-hmm. and you know we connect but what about the other half so mm-hmm. i would say today i would say i don't know i don't think i'm not at a yes i'm not at a no
1: mm-hmm.
2: i i just kind of wonder what how that relationship would be because he knows that half of of him you know that half of him is is me but he right. doesn't have access to the sperm part, I guess, of him that comes from the other half that he would get from his donor siblings. Mm-hmm. So I I I don't know. That's I have to really think <laughs> about that. You know, I, I got about eight years. I gotta, I gotta really think. Oh my yeah. God. Well, and because the interesting ever.
0: thing is these these people will be like 18 at least, right? Yeah. And so I guess like let's say at this point, what they'd be like, eight or nine. So by the time, you know, your your son would maybe be about 10 by the time they might be turning yeah. age. Yeah. Like I think it it'll it'll be interesting. I think what what'll be interesting is that they will have something in common from the fact that at least one part will be donor. Right. Yeah. Uh even though they wouldn't share the the they wouldn't share that part, you know, they wouldn't have egg donors on both sides, but like at least your son will have the experience of having having that yeah. part in common
2: you can relate to being a donor child I hate that word donor child but I know I'm ready I'm not even, I'm not even sure like, yeah.
1: how yeah. to how to word it right because it's just like in my you know in our in our in the SMC space you you typically think okay you, you get a sperm donor, like that's well researched, well, you know, that path is well thought out. And then you think, okay, so you're an egg recipient, right? It's typically what we see in our space. It's mm-hmm. rare to have both a, 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 um, a person who is both a donor and a recipient, so to speak. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, kind of seeing donor siblings on both sides is rather... Interesting. And I, I will say in full transparency, I I'm in contact with donor siblings for my my eldest. And I'm just I'm a slow walker. It took me about two years to, to even do that for her. And so now I'm like slow walking, and I'm fairly well versed in how to navigate the sperm side. But because the egg donor is typically anonymous, I'm not I'm still trying to grapple with what that might look like, you know, what that conversation um, would even entail. So, you know, this is part processing for me as well, because this is a whole different dimension. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's interesting, because as a recipient, you know. Mm -hmm. First, you have to come to grips with, okay, I need a donor egg, right? And then it's just like, okay, and I think we're all open about using donor sperm, because that would be something that's outside of your body anyway. But Mm -hmm. the egg is something that's integral to you know, the inner workings of your own body. And so how do you, how do you come to terms? Like I'm, I'm open with it, but I'm also very sensitive to it being my daughter's story part of it. And the mm-hmm. only reason why I'm as candid as I am about it, because her and I, we had early conversations about how much and to what, what extent I wanted to talk about this. And I feel that we want celebrities to kind of share more and so me not being a celebrity but a lay person i'm like you know i could share more because we're starting to see more people in their 40s come to our group and it's important to see that and to to understand you know that it is an option and so i talk about it a little bit more than i'm even comfortable talking about it but i feel that it's an important conversation you know to have even as I am in the process of, you know, trying to navigate it. So yeah, this is, this is helping me as well. Yeah. So one of the reasons that we started the podcast
0: and, and really started the space and talking about this more, well, I should, I should say like, The space initially was like very, very private, right? Just people who are doing this. And it's still a part of it is still very, very private. But the, one of the reasons we started the podcast and also some of the more external outreach was because there is such a shortage in donors. And as Aisha mentioned, you know, there's, there's a need for egg donors and, and sperm donors who are black. And I imagine 10 years ago, you know, the shortage was still a thing. And so I'm sure they were super grateful that you came to them and, and was w- was willing to do that. Can I interject
2: just real quick? Sure. It was, I remember my donor coordinator, she said, you're going to get picked up right away. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> as soon as my application went live, two days later, I had a family. And then I was doing the cycle. Another family wanted me during that same cycle. And I was like, oh, wow. And that's the
0: thing. I mean, I think that the shortage has been there. It's not something that's like, you know, people ask us in the, in the, in a lot of, a lot of people who are sort of like studying this issue and people at the, at the various banks and fertility clinics, like, you know, they're, they're, they'll ask questions like, you know, is this, is this a problem that just started? And it's like, no, this has been a thing for a very long time. And in the past decade, you know, you all still haven't figured out how to do this. And so one of the things that I really wanted to ask you is that it is, I feel very fortunate for us to have had, the opportunity to have this conversation with you. And I wonder what advice you would give men and women who are like, maybe thinking about becoming a donor, like on the fence, like what would you tell them that that might help them
2: make that decision? So a lot, I feel like a lot of people choose not to be, a lot of women choose not to become donors because they have this whole thing that, Oh, those are my kids and my kids are out there. But we have to realize that these are eggs that you probably were never going to use in the first place. They were going to just disappear because you don't ovulate just one egg. You you ovulate one egg, but then you have all these others in reserve that just disintegrate and go somewhere. And so when I, um, to answer the question, um, I think that we first have to get out, of our, get out of our own heads and understand that these are not our children. You are literally helping someone else out by just giving up. Like one to 10, <laughs> one to 10. <laughs> okay. Let's be, okay. Let's be realistic. Between but, hours-
1: no, my, my donor gave up six, six and two, 12, 13, 14, 14. And, and I think that was with one cycle. And then I think you go through what three or four cycles. I think you, yeah. However many <laughs> cycles.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I think you only do at the time I can only do a maximum of six.
1: Okay. Um
2: yeah. six cycles. But <laughs> I think, I think I like, like, but but one family was getting those one egg. Like it was was for that family. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about people, um, like what to say to couples and things like that that are thinking about or people, excuse me, to that are think about donating, like we really need to see ourselves um, we need to really see ourselves represented when it comes to this. Infertility can affect Anyone, it doesn't matter if you're black, brown, um, uh, white or anybody. Like, I remember sitting in that waiting room and just seeing all colors affected by the same thing infertility, whether it be from age or waiting too long or whatever the case may be. Um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like black women, we just are not talking about it. And, Mm -hmm. um, we're so we were they had us on like when we go back to slavery times, they had us on, on breeding farms. You know, Mm -hmm. so they automatically think that we are we we shouldn't have this problem, but we do face it. And -hmm. there are women who need who need donors, and we can help those women just by donating some eggs that we weren't going to use in the first place. Um, But you have to also understand that these eggs did not you you weren't going to use them. Let's be real, you you weren't going to use them.
1: So, Dominique, okay, so now. So, okay. You donated your eggs. So now let's flip to your SMC journey. So what made you decide to become an SMC and did having donated eggs in the past, make this path an easier choice for you? So I had
2: some unrelated to egg donation. Let me make that very clear. I had some, um, some complications with pregnancies before all of this happened. And so I realized that we found my doctor, my OB had figured out what the problem was, but she said that if you're going to start a family, one, you need to do it now. And two, you're going to need some help. And so I, I had the money, I had the resources, the insurance covered it. I I went for it. And I it's something I had been thinking about for a few years um leading up to becoming an SMC. And so um uh, she got me in touch with a black fertility doctor. Oh, um, that's awesome! I mean, we have a a black black over here. Okay,
1: <laughs> I love
2: she it. Got me in touch with a black fertility doctor. Uh, I had a wonderful experience, and the doctor herself, she says, "What kind of?" Before she even started anything, she said, "What's your support look like? Because mm-hmm. you're going to need it." What also made it really helpful is that because I was a donor, I was very familiar with the terminology. Yeah. I mm-hmm. understood what was happening. I think a few things had changed just from being a recipient now. Um, but I was un- I understood what I needed to do. I understood the terminology. So I wasn't learning this stuff for the first time. Mm-hmm. But even though I'm young, I was initially, I want to say running out of time, but you know, my doctor said you're going to need some help and you need to do it now before it becomes too late. And mm-hmm. so I I did it. And now I have a, I got a kid now and I have some, and I also froze some of my eggs too, in case I wanted to do it again. But right now it's not giving that, but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this did the assignment.
0: Yep. Yes. yes. So, it's, okay. So I'm it's curious, like, oh. having, having been an, a, a donor yourself mm-hmm. when you were on the other side and trying to choose a donor, what was that experience like
2: for you? Oh my God. I found a black donor. I found, oh my goodness. I was so excited. I said, oh, I love it. Keep in mind, oh, the website had about, I think it was 630 something donors, and only 16 of them identified as black. Wow. And so um I chose the one guy. I sent the information over to my fertility doctor, and she was like, Absolutely not. She said he is a carrier for too many dangerous things for black women. You oh. I, she said I refuse to do this and I was like what like, I said but this is my choice she said you're she said you have she, she started putting on numbers she said oh, your wow. child has this possibility of doing that. I said being a single mom with mm-hmm. a sickly child she said that's gonna be a lot Dominique you like mm-hmm. try to find somebody else so I had to go back I put in what is it CMV negative I mean that wasn't what he was carrying but it was other stuff he had I think yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. I think he was I think he has sickle cell and so but anyway I put in CMV negative and do y'all know out of those 16 donors, one of them was CMV negative. And I was, oh, see,
0: that's a thing. Like I was just talking to someone today about that. I was like, you know, if you filter out things, like let's say you're a carrier for sickle cell, right. Which many black people are either sickle cell or thalcemia. And then, you know, like you, it narrows it down.
2: And then if you're CMV negative, it's like even worse, <laughs> you know, and that one guy who was CMV negative, Lord, forgive me. I said you could chose a, you should you could have chose a better picture. this I mean, it, he just looked like a gremlin. I was like, oh I could I could have read what's about him because I was so turned off from the photo. so then I had to start looking at other uh other donors and um, I started looking at brown people because I refused uh-huh. to have a colonized person inside of me. yeah,
0: um, I love this I'm, I'm I love does that sound there? too harsh? You know what? No. no, it's true though. Like, I mean, I think it's it's important. Like, you know, I was just saying to someone today, like, you nobody wants to be called the nanny, right? Or like for someone for someone to just not think that that your child belongs to you, right? And it's even more important for us as SMCS because we don't have another partner that someone's going to look at all of us and be like, oh, now it makes sense, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's super important. So you went with another yeah. type of brown.
2: Yes. I, when I say I scanned that website, I mean, I scanned it. Okay. High five. High five. And I was, I was on crunch time too. And I think I ended up still, you know what? I was getting close to a time where she was like, okay, have you made a decision? I didn't. So I had to skip that cycle. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to sit here and settle. So, but I kept coming back to this one donor. I feel like we could be friends. So, mm-hmm. and I prayed on it and I felt really good about it. So I selected him and I'm so glad I did
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, they say your baby will find you. And it just, it doesn't matter. And when I see, I saw that little face, I was like, oh my God.
2: I mean, eight years, y'all eight years. It took for him to find me.
1: Yeah. <sighs> yes.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. all
1: right. Okay. So a final question uh, before we wrap. Uh, What advice would you give for recipients about approaching a donor when the child reaches 18? You know, we know that DNA technology exists. Can you give us a bit of advice for how you would like to be approached when someone reaches 18?
2: I hope that, you know, when my donor recipients approach me, that they understand that I did this out of an act of love. I did this because at first it was for the money, let's be realistic, but I want them to understand that I did this to help someone else out. When I saw all those women in that waiting room who were just like at the edge of their seats, yearning for a child, Mm -hmm. it shifted from money to, you know what, this is more than me. And so I want them to also understand that although I am your donor, I am not your mother. I am just that only your donor. So please don't. I hope they don't come looking for a relationship. Um, I cannot provide that, but I can't provide any answers to questions they may have in terms of maybe if they're trying to find like their identity or if they're struggling or grappling, like where do they belong in this world? I can do my best to help with that. But their family is the one that, you know, birth them, that that's, that's mm-hmm. their mother. That's their father. If they have one or their bonus mom, whoever. And they did every single thing that they did because of love. And I did the same thing. I did it as an act of kindness, act of love to help someone else out. So I hope they approach me with just open arms and like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for choosing to do this, to help me be, be here or thank you for, you know, helping my mother or helping, you know, my family to expand it. And I, I I just hope they come with understanding. And I hope that their parents, their parent or parents are very transparent with them about their journey. That's so
0: great. Yeah, I think, you know, I tell people all the time that I, I may or may not ever get to meet my my kid's donor. Right. And it's definitely not up to me, you know, it'll be up to them, I guess, and also him, whether or not they want to connect. And, but if I had just 30 seconds with him, I would just say, thank you so much
1: because without your
0: donation, (laughs) I wouldn't have the family. I wouldn't have the kids that I have. And, you know, I'm just so incredibly grateful.
1: Well, I definitely am am grateful and want to say thank you um, because it is, it is a gift. It's a wonderful gift and I get to hug my gift, you know, every night and give her kisses and snuggle (laughs) the back of her neck. And, you know, and I know it would not be possible without, you know, the egg donation, the tissue donation. And so I just want to say thank you. And, you know, to to do a, a PSA to, you know, moms that are out there or people that are out there who think that they've reached the end of their fertility line. And, you know, this is such a viable option. And I can tell you that there is not a day like the things that I see in that little girl that don't come from me. I just love them even more because there's such a curiosity. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you are amazing. It just reminds me of how amazing the gift was, how amazing the gift giver was. And, you know, and I feel like I've stolen joy and I can't, I can't recommend it enough, especially if you, you know that, you know, you are meant to be a mom and if this is your option, your kid will find you the things about her. She (laughs) reminds me of me and, you know, so (laughs) whatever that is, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. One other thing, just real
2: quick, Honestly, if I didn't age out, I would love to donate as much as I could. Like now being like older and just knowing like that people need donors, I would love to do it again, but I've aged out, but I, uh, I love it. I love this.
1: That's (laughs)
0: awesome. Well, I hope more people, you know, I hope I hope future donors are going to listen to this episode and you, I hope that you've given them some courage to kind of take the next step. and I'm okay with people doing it for the money because frankly, like that's honest, right? Yeah. I mean like especially when you're like going to try and put yourself through school, like come on, like that's that's a big incentive for this and, that, and I think that's okay.
2: I bought a passport and went and went traveling. So that's awesome.
1: hopefully those jeans go right into that egg because I want my little kid to be a traveler. So I'm just like, you know, but yeah, yeah. No, It's an amazing gift. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you again
0: so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening this week and we will see you next week.
1: Well, Pod, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we're at MochaSMC. You can find additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now.